Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Ani Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails. We love cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo in today's shade-grown, vanilla mocha-infused, gender-confused, partisan politics abused, common sense refused, Hunter Biden's willy is very bruised, don't get the jab, it's all a ruse, Queen Victoria is not amused, dreadful little world. As always, my darlings, we try to do this with as much grace and empathy as can be mustered on any given day. As always, we are rarely successful, but we are honour bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love shots. Yes, we do. In fact, I'm going to have one right now. Excuse me. And that's a new cocktail for me. And that's really rather lovely. Mm. More about that later. If you're joining us for the first time, we extend a very warm welcome. Be advised, however, this show does not exist to provide you with frivolous entertainment. We have no patience for fancy frills or pretense of luxury or other fake frippery. What you see is what you get. And we value common sense, common courtesy, common decency, because you know what? It's because we are Americans. We don't do politically correct on this show because we do not wish to contribute to the erosion of the collective intellect. And by the way, we think that critical race theory is a load of bollocks. We know deep state is real. We know we are in the midst of an attempted New World Order takeover, and we have taken a vow to defend America and her sacred duty against all enemies, foreign, domestic, off-world, and other-world. People, we don't sugarcoat issues here, and we take on the difficult questions without flinching, and we do so with guts, with gusto, and with a goodly amount of spiritual ammo. As we look around our world today, do we know if we should laugh or cry or perhaps just scream out in pain? The level of imbecility on display is really hard to process. The entire world has gone to hell because they, the dark establishment, convinced people they were going to drop dead from what is essentially another version of the flu. And they did this to terrify us into accepting what is essentially the mark of the beast, which they call a Francine, guess what that rhymes with, into our bodies. So we're shooting demon class parasites into our bodies for the sole purpose of disconnecting us from our souls. That's what this Francine does. It is transhumanism level one. It's the flu. It's the flu. You fell for the flu. That reminds me a little bit of a song. Um, let me see if I can pull this off. Hang on. Do, 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 do. Flu, flu. You fell for the flu. Flu, 
flu. You fell for the flu. It's just another version of the ever-morphing flu. You fell for the flu, my darlings. The flu can be bad and people die, and it's sad, but it happens every year, and we don't collapse in fear. They're conning you, it's true. You fell for the flu, you fell for the flu, my darlings. You fell for the flu, my darlings. The beast is very far from starving, because you fell for the flu, my darlings. If you give it all some thought, you will see that you've been bought for some donuts and some fries. You bought their filthy lies. Your minds have gone soft. We told the truth, but you scoffed. You fell for the flu, my darlings. We warned you for years, but you covered up your ears. We told you this was happened, but you laughed into your beers. Now they've shown their true colors and they're sharpening their spears because you fell for the flu, my darlings. Now there's a chance of redemption, but you have to move quick. They want to come door to door and stick you with the prick. Remember you're Americans and kick them in the dick. Don't fall for the flu, my darlings. And on the other side of this, violins in the background, many people will be pissed off. And our libertarian asses will be royally kissed. Mwah, mwah, mwah. And the ones who did the crime will pay by doing time. And hopefully some will be executed because they lied about the flu, my darlings. They lied about the flu, my darlings. Don't fall for the flu, my darlings. People, people of America, people of the world, without free will, the collective consciousness cannot expand and evolve. Without free will, mankind cannot thrive. If mankind allows the group of power-hungry sociopaths calling itself government to make decisions on its behalf, mankind relegates its cosmic status to earthbound slave, also known as brainwashed, mind-controlled automaton, terror-stricken, obedient servant cowering before a corrupt state. If, by now, you have not realized the greater agenda behind current events. You are an imbecile. And we will have to move forward without you. And make no mistake, we are moving forward. To those who have eagerly submitted to ridiculous, humiliating, immoral, illegal, and outright evil instruction from the corrupt state, for the privilege of simply going about your daily business, you have allowed yourselves to be abused. You have shown the dark establishment that you will do anything to keep things the way they are. And in doing so, you have accepted abuse, corruption and evil as part of your lives. Everything happening now, we have warned you about for years. If you continue to allow and Perhaps enjoy the abuse heaped upon you by those who openly mock you and think of you as cattle. Let me tell you what comes after. Oh, I'm okay with mandatory vaccinations. Bring, 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 bring. Good morning, citizen automaton 97635446662, subsection blah, 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 ad infinitum. Our records show you have two healthy kidneys. For the sake of public health, we require you to surrender one to the state. Here is your appointment card and don't be late. Bring, 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 bring. Good morning, citizen automaton 78563128465, blah, blah, ad infinitum. Our records show you are approaching your 65th birthday. As you know, the state, the almighty to be worshipped state, has designated 65 years as the maximum time allowed for mortal life. Here is your appointment card for your trip to the other place. The state thanks you for your life and rest assured your carcass will be put to good use. Bring, 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 bring. Good morning, soul sovereign free thinker, enemy of the state, number 3567244. Our records show continued non-compliance. The state, the almighty to be worshipped state, now has no option but to discontinue your social security benefits and all banking privileges. If you are giggling at what I just said, 
let me repeat that everything we predicted, everything is unfolding right now, right before your very eyes. Everything we predict going forward will also happen, just as we say it will. There's a lot more to it, by the way. I just don't have five hours to tell you all of the protocols that they have in store for us. But I can tell you that we have a choice. We can continue to feed the beast and lose our sovereignty. Or we can do something useful or perhaps glorious with our incarnations. Fear feeds the beast and it starves the soul. Sovereignty, on the other hand, affirms our cosmic nature and makes us whole. These mandates, they are illegal. It's all an illusion. Can you not see that? They are playing chicken with us. And instead of acting like raging bulls, trampling all over their stupid little bloody chickens, we are acting like chicken poop. People of America, stop cowering and start empowering. There are grassroots all over the place, grassroots organizations, whether it's you're going to approach this from a partisan point of view or from a parent-teacher union or for medical freedom, bodily integrity, or people who want to stand up for parrots' rights. There's a grassroots organization for everybody out there. For heaven's sake, people, go out, network, find them, take off your stupid bloody masks. Don't accept the mark of the beast. We are at the precipice. It's never a good place. Unless, of course, at the precipice, the illusion is shattered and you awaken. Well, that was a lovely bit of preaching. I think I should be a pastor, don't you? Let's start off the show with quack. Questions, answers, and comments, which is, by the way, the reason we started Metaphysical Martini in the first place. It wasn't just so that I could talk myself into having a martini on a Wednesday. We did quack to explore the dank and dangerous corners of your minds. So, my darlings, if you would like to illuminate our world with your input, send your metaphysical missives to Arnie at ArnieAbadician.com or via snail mail to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, USA. And please don't forget to let me know if and how you would like to be identified or I shall refer to you quite unceremoniously as omit personal details. Right. Some of you wrote in and told me that they were very you were very unhappy that I had broken the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity. And I was using the the dish of uh, dangerous dichotomy. Um, don't panic, people. I actually found a replacement. So I can say let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and let's see what pops out. Shaking, awaiting the popping. And here's an email from a chap called Donnie who asks, could it be? Could it be that Donnie? No, probably not. Probably not. What a shame. Okay, this Donnie, whoever this Donnie is, says, Annie, why the outcry about God being a man? Why can't God have a gender? What about the old gods and goddesses, Odin, Woden, Frigga, and I can't read. Um, they have genders. And didn't man come before woman? <laughs> oh, well, I particularly like the he he he, Donnie. Um, Donnie, Donnie, Donnie. Oh, Donnie. The old gods, darling, they're human constructs. They're the personifications of our celestial imaginings. Universal gods, they're different. They're the gods who are commanders in chief of the various universes. They do not have genders. Why do they not have genders? Because they existed before polarity. Polarity is for physical realms. 
they existed before the physical realm. And by the way, the first woman was not taken from the rib of a man. Man did not come down first because, you see, that would be very unbalanced and the universe loves balance. The first physical life forms came down in pairs, two sides of the same coin supporting each other. And so, Donnie, my darling, I think you should take Adam's rib out of your ass and give this awesome thought. And if you do, it will all make sense. Well, that was easy, wasn't it? OK, what else came into our inbox this week? Let me shake it about a bit while I get myself a sip of this most excellent cocktail. Mm. Oh, that's nice. Mm. All right. What have I got here? Um, ah, here's one. This is from Pablo, who asks, Ani, what time would it be if all the clocks stopped? <laughs> Pablo, I see someone is exploring Zen philosophy. Nice one. Um, well, time is indeed a sense of chronology created for our convenience to be used on physical realms. We divide time according to the rotation of our planet, don't we? Was it necessary in antiquity to keep precise time? Probably not. Um, hmm. Makes me wonder, really, doesn't it? I mean, makes me wonder why we created time as we use it today. As populations increased, one assumes, we realized the need to organize our lives a little better. We thought, oh, that might be a good thing. There's more of us. And we have more things to do. But when did we start to keep precise time? I mean, if we look back, say, what, 70, 80,000 years ago to the Aboriginal cave paintings, did they divide their days into hours? Probably not. But when they tell stories about their ancestors, did they record the past? How did they record the past? Did, was it lunar cycles? Was it years? I think as far back as 8,000 before Common Era in what is now Scotland, um, archaeologists uh, found moon-shaped pits, and they believe those were used to track the lunar cycle, if I'm remembering this correctly. Um, and I think back in the Congo, the Republic of Congo, uh, much older notched bones have been found. And that's some sort of recording of times, but that's a lot older. We're talking oof, another 10,000 years back from that. But when we, okay, here's the thing. When did we decide to know that we needed to know the days of the week? I think it's when we started trading, probably. I mean, they were, they were shadow clocks. We know for sure as far back as 3,500 BCE. So humans cut days into smaller units. They tracked the sun. They had these shadow casting obelisks and rods. And then a couple of thousand years later, Egyptians refined that method into what is essentially the earliest known sundial. And the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Chinese, Mesoamericans um, followed. But then that was a sundial. You can't tell the time when it's dark. When did we start to tell the time when it was dark? We think that that was about 1500 BCE. People invented these amazing devices that um, water flowed from one vessel into another. And by measuring the liquid level against uh, marked intervals. I think this was an Egyptian thing. I think it was. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was Egyptians. Um, they figured this out so they could see how much time had passed without using sunlight. And they had other methods, of course, that relied on sand and incense and candles, but the water one was probably the best. But when it came to mechanized clock keeping, I think that was a Chinese dude. I think he was a monk. Um, and it was flowing water on a wheel. And then this interlocking system of rods and levers marked by time. Um, how did he mark the time? Drum beats. That's right. It was like drum beats and bells. So Every quarter of an hour was a drum 
and every bell was a full hour. That would have been fun. So we started out by marking lunar cycles back way back when. And then the sundials we had in the daytime, they divided the days into hours. And then clocks divided hours into quarters and minutes. And as we keep refining clocks, we probably now have timepieces that can divide seconds. In fact, I'm sure we do. So it's all fascinating stuff and uh, probably not really what you wanted to hear because you had a very simple Zen question. So in keeping with the original question, what time would it be if all the clocks were stopped? Well, Pablo, it would be now, as it always is. Thanks for the question, my little Zen buddy. Let's pull another one from the fishbowl. And this one comes from Omit, personal details, who asks, Dear Ani the Mad, that's me, darlings, what is your definition of healing? Okay, um, plain and simple, I guess. It is alignment with supreme cosmic intelligence. When you are operating at manufacturer's default specifications, you operate as a flawless transforming energy, pleasing to your higher self and most pleasing in the sight of your creator. So if your entire being is a walking, eating, breathing manifestation of source energy, you will vibrate above the dysfunction of the disease. And should you succumb, if your true nature is indeed the primary vibe in your energy field, you'll recover quickly and realize that suffering is, well, well unnecessary. You know, our bodies, they really do believe every word we say about them. Every word. So we should never speak negatively about ourselves, even in jest, because our bodies have no capacity for humor. So I say, how do we sum all that up? Align with the divine and all shall be fine. All right. Should we take more questions? Let's take more questions. That's what we're here for. All right, we've actually got an overflowing fishbowl today. Um, peeps are waking up and mostly freaking out. <laughs> but when they do eventually calm down, they have a million questions. And that, my darlings, is awesome. And it warms the cockles of my heart. This is from Jutta, uh, J-U-T-T-A, Jutta from Essen in Germany. Ah, do I know any German? Um, einen schönen... Nachmittag, Liebling. <laughs> um, and she asks, Dear Arnie, we were expecting big false flags in America on September 11, but nothing happened. Was this to throw us off? Is something big around the corner? We are all so confused. We are on the edge every day as if we are walking on a razor blade. I know the feeling. Get off the razor blade. You don't need to be there. Yuta, let me have a sip of this cocktail and I'll answer your question. Mm. Yummo, yummo. Okay. Liebling, Yuta, I have no idea what is around the corner. But it seems to me that the bad guys and gals have put all of their eggs into this Francine basket. I believe, you know, based on intel and meditation and various, uh, you know, sources, there has been enough defection in the ranks of the dark establishment, uh, the lower levels mostly, to cripple any significant action other than enforcing the illegal jib-jabs. Now, I could be wrong. It's rare that I'm wrong, but I have misjudged on occasion. And when I do, it's a doozy. But it seems to me they've decided to put their weight behind the death jab and just push as hard as they can for that. That said, you might have noticed military operations around the globe ramping up. I mean, it's been a month now we've had reports of military machinery moving around the country. But now we are having reports of actual uniformed soldiers with live ammunition doing exercises, some of them in urban areas. And now there's warships teasing each other and all of that. So the countries are realigning their partnership in a most Orwellian fashion, I must say. 
And we should all keep an eye on that. But whether it's actually going to be the beginning of World War Three or if it's just, you know, that's the false flag itself. I don't know. I can't tell you because there's so much misinformation. I forget my own name sometimes. But the question on everyone's mind is this, I think. Will the uniforms serve the people of the dark establishment or will they serve we, the people? And I suspect there will be division um, and I fully expect a poop fest because a giant can of worms has been opened now. You know, I just have to say, these politicians, these media people, medical people and some military people and federal cops, they have taken money from the devil. And by doing so, they have sworn their allegiance to him. This is such a bad move for mortals on so many levels. These power-hungry lost souls drooling over piles of cash given to them under the table by dark establishment minions. They have been promised immunity from extermination and slavery if they deliver to the devil what the devil believes belongs to him. But you see, it doesn't. It belongs to the divine. And if you're seeing people like Flush It Down Kate Brown, Gruesome Newsome and Measley Inslee and all of their cohorts appear a tad paranoid these days, ramping up their bullying and generally making no sense at all, it's because they've realized who they have sold themselves to. They have realized what an uncompromising taskmaster they have sworn allegiance to. And the little demons riding on their backs, wee, and torturing them, reminding them daily of the price of failure. These poor bastards, they are between a rock and a hard place. Now, do I feel sorry for them? Absolutely bloody not. They chose greed over goodness. They chose to commit crimes against humanity. No one forced them. But you hear this sort of thing. Oh, but they will kill me if I don't comply. So die, man. Just die. But die unblemished and enter heaven as a sovereign soul with your honor intact. Oh, but they will kill my children. Trust me on this, you clueless idiots. They will kill your children anyway. But I doubt that's how they opened the conversation with you. I bet they opened the conversation with flattery to boost your already inflated alter egos. Because you see, darlings, that's why they chose you. Because your egos make you weak and weak-minded people are easily manipulated. They offered you large amounts of money, didn't they, under the table? And they promised you special privileges under the new regime. Don't tell me you don't know what you're fighting for, because you do. You see, I've worked for these people. I know all too well how this game is played. And they promised you all the support needed to crush the people. And they gave you a fair amount of support. But halfway through, even though your eyes are big with desire, drool is rolling down your faces at the thought of, of great wealth and power. And weak-willed though you are, something inside you snapped, didn't it? You had second thoughts. And you shared your second thoughts with your handlers. And that was not a good idea, was it? Because they made it clear, in no uncertain terms, how terrible the price of failure would be. A deal's a deal, mate. Break it and you seal your fate. And now you, you are the ones frozen in fear. You are the ones who don't know which way to turn. Because now everyone hates you. If you back down, your overlords will destroy you in ways humans do not have words for. If you blow the whistle and come clean, the people will arrest you and you will be humiliated. Well, good luck with your choices. And I have to say, may God have mercy upon your souls, because once we break the Satan stream media's monopoly on information dissemination, I doubt you'll find any here on Earth.
each and every one of you, politicians, media, uniformed, medical and more, each and every person who drew up illegal, immoral, evil mandates, coercing people into committing slow suicide by injection. You are guilty of crimes against humanity and you will be held accountable. Each and every member of the media who knowingly spread false information that condemned millions of people to death, you are guilty of crimes against humanity and you will be held accountable. To every medical person who knowingly injected venom into people under the guise of a Francine, you are guilty of crimes against humanity and you will be held accountable. And to all the uniformed personnel who act out as the jackbooted thugs of the dark establishment, may God protect you from the wrath of the people you terrorized. Take a look at some videos of what happened to people like you when World War II was over. It ain't pretty, it ain't. Let me assure each and every one of you, you will get exactly what you deserve. So if any of you jumped up treasonous self-serving wretches are having second thoughts and want to come clean, I will now put on my kind voice. I am sure we can find someone to take your statement. And if I were you, having served the establishment in days gone by, I recommend you do so because you will be better treated in prison than in your overlord's domain. Right. Well, there we are then. I think, you know, we should all have a drink after that. Mm. Let's take more questions. I have a lot of questions. If you keep doing these questions, I'm going to have to do a show every week, people. This is great. Let's take another one. This is from Harper. Harper says, Dear Annie, when you refer to the devil, do you mean the red guy with horns and a pitchfork? I ask because 99% of what you say makes perfect sense, and I appreciate your ability to bring clarity to sensitive issues. And then you come out with Lucifer. And I have to ask, is she serious? P.S. Have you seen the Netflix show Lucifer? The devil is English, bisexual, a narcissist and an alcoholic and very handsome. <laughs> Harper, by the way, thank you for um, telling me that 99% of what I say makes sense to you. I'm here to clarify information. Um, Lucifer the Archangel is not red skinned. He does not have horns and he doesn't sport a pitchfork unless he's doing a bit of gardening. When I refer to people taking the devil's money, I'm referring to the machinery serving deep state ideology. That said, the upper echelons of that organization do worship Lucifer as the fallen archangel who defied creator and used genetic material to create his own living beings out of alignment with divine design, which resulted in new vibrations that we call suffering, pain, torture, and torment. Because Lucifer chose to go his own way and ceased to co-create with Source, he could not use the energy of unconditional love of Source to maintain his life force, so he had to create a new energy to feed from, and that's the energy of suffering, fear, terror, torment. The origin of deep state ideology stems from this action and the hoi polloi of deep state worship and revere Lucifer, quite literally worship him, just as we worship and revere our creator. And since they too have turned their back on the unconditional love that is source creator I am, they cannot, they cannot use the loving energy. They do exactly what Lucifer did create fear on whichever realm they choose to inhabit, and they feed off that. They create terror. So when people like moi say, just turn your backs on these people, do not obey them, do not fear them, instead mock them as they mock you, and then turn away from them, and then go about your business as you see fit. 
You see, we say that because this is what starving the beast means. They need us. We do not need them. They have created all sorts of shiny for us to get attached to. We don't need the shiny. We can disassociate and detach from the shiny. If people would just take their terrorized heads out of their trembling asses, they would see that the devil is the man behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. O ye of little faith, when will you wake up and have the courage to see your true selves? You are created from celestial magnificence, and yet most of you without hesitation bent the knee to the Maleficent. The devil is only terrifying if you choose to buy into his illusion. Without our cooperation, he is nothing. Without our cooperation, deep state is nothing. And yes, Harper, I have watched the Netflix TV show Lucifer. It is an entertaining and well-produced show with a great soundtrack and definitely an above average budget. But that's all it is. This bisexual, charming, alcoholic, narcissist, English Lucifer bears no resemblance to the original fallen archangel. Trust me on this. I know. All right. Um, I've got a postcard here and I think we can finish up the questions and answers and comments with this one. And um, this postcard caught my eye because it came in with a very with a picture. It's a picture of a very large bottle of beer. So, of course, it caught my eye. And this is from Gavin, um, who prints in big, bold red letters. I need to lose weight, but I will not give up beer. Which light beer tastes like beer? Gavin, gosh, man. I mean, thank you for trusting me with this very important part of your metaphysical advancement. Um, Gavin, my choice for light beer is a local one from the Full Sail Brewery in Oregon, and it's called Session Light. Very nice. And if you like wheat beers, like sort of Hefeweizen-y kind of beers, there's a beer called Blue Moon that has also brought out a lighter version of that. So I would say Session Light from Full Sail or Blue Moon Light. Very tasty, very satisfying, and um, not a lot of calories. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? All right. And I want to thank all of our contributors Keep those questions coming, because if you don't, we don't really have a show, and that won't do. And now it's time for Tarot A Go Go, a little what the heck with your favorite tarot deck. And what do we have today? I think, if I'm not mistaken, and God knows I am mistaken quite often, um, it's the Six of Swords. Yes, so I'll let you all get out your tarot deck and find the Six of Swords. So let me pick up this bad boy and see what information it transmits to me. Transmitting, transmitting. So I'm using the Robin Wood deck today, and it's a lovely card. It's, um, it's a boat that's a swan, and it's got six swords in the boat, and, and there's a youngish chap sitting in the boat and there's an outline shadow of uh the ferryman there and so well obviously it's about travel what kind of travel though is it physical travel or is it metaphysical travel let's explore this i'm getting a real feeling here that this card is about leaving your troubles behind and moving on perhaps you've had a rough ride and now things are going to get a little bit better yeah, I think it's um, a welcome transition. Calm, calm waters. It's tranquil. Stress period is over. Oh, smooth sailing. Yeah, moving away from your difficulties. Very nice. Going with the flow almost, you know, swimming with the current. Going with the flow. Sometimes I find that this card comes up in a spread when you're going to be, you know, relocating. But it can also mean that, um, you know, you are moving on, that your spiritual advancement. Um, yeah, you're doing well with that one. Mm. 
Yeah, that's what I feel with this card. New opportunities on the other side, you know? New neighbors, um, new challenges. You're leaving all the destructive side behind you. You're leaving your troubles behind. Very strong feel of that. Uh, also, you might be going on a cruise, you know. Don't ever discount the, the physical. It's not all about karma and what's going on in your head. So a lovely card, really. But let's let's flip it upside down and what we call the challenged position. And let's see how we feel about it. Well, first off, all the swords fell out of the boat, didn't they? And um, that's not much fun because now you've got to go and swim down to the bottom of the of the sea there or the lake, whatever it is. To get that. So I would say trouble times ahead. Yeah. Um, I don't feel that really bad things are ahead. I more or less get the feeling that um, it's a delay of some sort, that you're stuck in a rut, stuck in some sort of pattern. Probably people are offering you help, but your ego self is saying, no, I don't need the help. I'll just spend the rest of my life trying to swim to the bottom of the lake to get the swords myself. So it's a sort of a standstill. You're feeling trapped. Um, perhaps you're in an interesting predicament where you feel there's no way out. Perhaps you're not looking properly. Perhaps you're not facing reality. It could also be something as simple as a change in travel plans. God knows, I mean, you know, traveling these days is not easy, is it? Hmm. I don't. Yeah, I don't. It's. Yeah. Hmm. What else am I feeling? I just feel stuck when I look at this card upside down. I feel that I don't have the skill set to deal with the problem ahead of me. Um, uh, I should probably be asking for help. But this card gives me the impression that I didn't ask for help that I'm going to negotiate these waters on my own. And that's not a good idea, you see, because I think I might drown. Hmm. Yeah. There it is. The Six of Swords. People, if you want to know more about tarot, go to my website, arniabadissian.com. Go to the tarot page and have a look at my excellent $500 package I will teach you all you need to know, and you don't have to spend thousands of dollars on wasted information. So go there and look into it and then give me a call. All right. Wonderful. What shall we do going forward? Let's have a sip of my excellent drink. It's not a very big one today. Usually because the show's an hour long, I sort of, you know, make one and a half portions so that I can sip slowly throughout it. But this is a sort of a smaller, elegant cocktail. So I'm being very careful with it. Mm. All right. Look, today's questions were a little bit heavy and uh, my heavier side came out. So let's lighten stuff up a bit. Let's explore some weird and wacky tidbits from the anus of history. <laughs> let's do it. It might cheer us up. And we could all use a bit of a laugh. You know, one of the things we're not doing a lot lately is laughing. Make sure you have a really good laugh every single day, whatever it takes. Um, and, you know, some feel good stuff. Look at little kittens on, you know, in books or on your computer. Uh, watch some stupid cartoons, just anything to have a really good laugh. The type of laugh where your body shakes and shakes out all the depression. All right, what did I pick up in my weird and wacky tidbits over the week? I find these all over the place, and people send them to me. I print them out, and I put them to one side. Um, 1945, a group of Soviet schoolchildren presented a U.S. ambassador with a carved United States seal as a gesture of friendship. Oh, how lovely. And it hung in his office for seven years before discovering it contained a listening device. <laughs> this will tickle. Um, this will tickle my producer because she was a, a Soviet specialist for the United States Army. Well, so much for the innocence of children. Um, I have to ask, 
who was in charge of the ambassador's security detail? Because either he was a bit of a twit, or he was definitely a Tavarish double agent. Duh, duh. Well, that's funny that they wouldn't have checked that just because it came from kids. Yeah. What else do we have? Oh, this was interesting. And I want to do a little bit more research into this one. So it's 2004. The Sri Lankan handball team visits Germany on a sports exchange program. No big deal, right? Except the entire team, 23 men, just disappeared into thin air. At first, the organizers thought they got um, lost while they were jogging in the woods. <laughs> Is that what people do when they visit foreign countries? They just jog in the woods. Um, but they weren't in the woods. And then someone found a note that said they had gone to France. Well, the authorities were confused, but they did a little bit of digging themselves. And they finally released a statement saying they believed that the Sri Lankan national handball team had gone to Italy, where they had left their dirty laundry behind. But that's where the trail ended in Italy with dirty laundry. No trace of them anywhere. And OK, so that's sort of strange, really, but that's not even the strangest part of the story. When the Germans informed the Sri Lankan government they had lost their entire handball team, the Sri Lankans said, what national handball team? We don't have a national handball team. That, that's worth investigating, don't you think? That's kind of cool. I've marked that one for um for remote view. Okay. Did we know that from 1912 to 1948, the Olympic Games held competitions in fine arts? Medals were given for literature, architecture, sculpture, painting, and music. And of course, all of these things had to be Olympic themed. But um, according to the founder of the modern Olympics, Pierre de Freddy, the addition of the arts was necessary because the ancient Greeks used to hold art festivals alongside the games. Hmm. We don't do that anymore, and that's a shame. Well, this was funny. Well, it was funny to me. Um, a long time ago, there was a chap called Napoleon Bonaparte, right? Big little guy, big conqueror. This chap was overwhelmed by an army of bunnies, little bunnies, fluffy bunnies. So what happened? Bonaparte had requested that a rabbit hunt be arranged for himself and his men. Um, God, they must have been bored out of their heads. And his chief of staff set it up and he had the men round up about 3000 rabbits for the occasion. And knowing rabbits every 50 minutes, they probably produced another five, six hundred rabbits. Anyway, when the rabbits were released from their cages, the hunt was on. And at least that was the plan. But the bunnies, <laughs> the bunnies charged towards Bonaparte and his men in a vicious and unstoppable onslaught. Um, wow, that must have been worse for Napoleon than Waterloo was, really. I mean, that is hysterically funny to me that these uh, generals and whatever, all of these seasoned officers would be attacked by these bunnies. And like, oh, no. Oh, Napoleon, the bunnies are coming. I'm going to be fluffy to death by the bunnies. Oh, oh. Oh, here's something I found that really pissed me off. During prohibition in the United States, the U.S. government poisoned alcohol because people continue to drink it and make it. And the establishment, the bastards, they got really upset with that. So they decided to find a different type of deterrent. Death the ultimate deterrent. So they ordered the poisoning of industrial alcohols manufactured in the U.S. And that's what, you know, the bootleggers use, right? So by the end of Prohibition, 1933, they had killed 10,000 martini heads. May they rot in hell forever. Uh, that's horrible. Okay. Well, staying with the alcohol theme, um, you know, one of my favorite ones. Uh, does anybody out there drink Captain Morgan rum? Well, he was a real person. Yes, folks, 
the face of the well-loved rum brand was a totally real dude, and he was a Welsh privateer who fought alongside the English against the Spanish in the Caribbean in the 1660s and 1670s. Um, we know his first name was Henry. I don't think we know his last name. But Charles II of England apparently knighted him. And we don't know exactly when he was born, and we don't know exactly when he died. But we think he died in Jamaica in 1688, apparently very rich and probably full of good rum. So this gives a whole new meaning to my rum cocktails now. I'll have to go and pick up some some more of this uh, Welsh privateer Captain Morgan stuff. So I was going through some of the religious stuff, um, all the crazy things the Catholics have done over the years. And did you know that at one point, well, this was a long time ago, um, this was Italy in the 11th century, the church told people they couldn't use forks because forks were blasphemous and sacrilegious and that they were an offense to God. Well, why would a fork be an offense to God? Well, because they were artificial hands and as such, they were considered to be sacrilegious. I seem to remember um, something to do with the church telling miners, you know, miners who dig mines, um, that they couldn't develop a water pump because it created a void and there was nowhere in the cosmos that God was not. So we almost had to, you know, drown all the all the miners because the church said that there is no spot where God is not. I mean, even if there's a void, surely then it makes sense that God is in the void. Anyway, what, who, whatever. Oh, this was fun. Do you know that little ditty? Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. Well, everyone knows that nursery rhyme. Um, but did you know that there was a Mary and she actually had a lamb and her name was Mary Sawyer. She was an 11 year old girl. She lived in the Boston area and one day was followed to school by her pet lamb. So I think we're dating this sort of in the 1860s, late 1860s. And she helped raise money for the church by selling wool from the lamb. So Mary did have a little lamb. How much fun is that? Right. The other day I was counting all of my money and I found one dollar bill, <laughs> which is good. Um, but I didn't realize this thing. I thought that the first face on the first one dollar bill would have been George Washington. But that he was because he was the first president. Right. But he was not the first face on the first one dollar bill. I've been told that the first face to appear on the currency was Salmon P. Chase. I'm oh, sorry. But why does that make me laugh? Salmon P. Chase. Probably because I live in the Pacific Northwest and we chase salmon here. Um, so the first $1 bill was issued during the Civil War, 1862. And who was Salmon P. Chase? He was the Secretary of the Treasury at that time. But he also designed the country's first banknotes. So I like to learn things, you know, this is this will come in useful to me one day. I could be in a quiz and the 10 million dollar question could hinge on this. What else did I learn? Thomas Edison, you know, Edison, he had what something like 1100 patents out on things. And we associate him with the invention of the light bulb. But apparently the majority of these uh, patents, including the light bulb, they weren't his inventions. He stole most of them or perhaps he invented them at the same time. But he got to the patent office first. We think that he um, invented the light bulb because he landed the patent for it in 1880. But the inventor was actually some chap called Warren de la Rue, and he was a British astronomer and chemist who created the very first light bulb 40 years before Edison. Interesting stuff, eh? And do I have time for one more? I think so. Uh, submarine attacks. Not something I normally look into, but this one was sent to me by a friend. There was a submarine attack here in the States in 1776. I didn't even think we had, 
you know, submarines. We thought that U-boats, that sort of thing, were 20th century stories. But they made one during the Revolutionary War, and they named it Turtle. And it was built by an American called David Bushnell in 1775. It was the first that we know of, the first submersible vessel ever used in combat. And they used it to try to attack the British ship, the Eagle, on September the 6th, 1776. But the plan failed because it couldn't navigate against the current. But, you know, kudos to them for trying. That's really quite amazing. And we'll do one more little thing, one more little tidbit from the anus of history. I've been rereading about the potato blight in Ireland. I like, you know, Irish literature and I love potatoes. Um, it's commonly thought that the Great Famine, the Irish potato famine, uh, circa 1845, 1849, um, was, bla was basically blamed on the over of potatoes by the Irish. So they had this all potatoes, all the crops were potatoes. The blight struck, decimated the crops and, um, you know, one million and counting people died. But that wasn't just because of the potato blight. There was food. There was always food. There is always food. But the British refused to provide aid to the starving in Ireland. Um, terrible thing that. Also coupled with the economic policy that prioritized the rights of landowners over the rights of the poor to do something as simple as eat. That contributed to the severity of the famine. And I would say, you know, that's genocide, really. They gave soup to people who wanted to convert from Catholicism to Protestantism. And to this day, I believe the term super is very derogatory. We are not nice to each other on this planet, are we? We really do need to do better. And we're never going to do better until we take power away from government. We need the people to have a large moral compass and we need small government. In every single country across this planet, we have to take power away from these power-hungry, horrible, evil sociopaths. Well, that was fascinating stuff. Are we not better people for knowing all this trivia? Are we not better people for knowing all about the Six of Swords? I believe we are. And now I'm going to have another little drinky poo. Mm. You know what I love about this show? So many things I love about this show. But I love that I get to try a brand new cocktail every other Wednesday and talk to you about it. Darlings, as I look at the clock, it's almost time to wrap things up for today. No, say it ain't so, but it is. I've almost finished my drink, and that usually means the end of the show. I do hope you enjoyed listening in as much as I enjoyed recording it, because I had a blast. I always do. Just a heads up, my darlings, I am finally ready to start recording my shorter podcasts, Points to Ponder Over Happy Hour, and they will be on podcast.co and all the platforms that podcast.co distributes to, along with Metaphysical Martini. And these will be much shorter. They'll be three to ten minutes long, and I intend to record a great many of them and share the contents of my warped mind with the entire cosmos. Now, today's real-life cocktail was a very elegant Bentley cocktail, and here's how we prepare it. First, go out and buy a Bentley car, put a bar in it, and then pour three quarters of an ounce of Calvados or Applejack. I prefer Applejack. Three quarters of an ounce of Dubonnet, which is a fortified aromatic wine from France made from red wine brandy and various spices and a very useful addition to the home or auto bar. Put all that on some cracked ice and give it a good hard shake and strain into chilled cocktail glasses and enjoy. It's very classic, very simple, very elegant. Now, folks, I know some of you are depressed, confused and angry about the current situation, but please keep tabs on your alcohol consumption. 
during stressful times, such as light versus dark, God versus Lucifer, end of days, cataclysm and all that, we should be making every effort to improve, not to destroy our health, both emotional and physical. Cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one good drink is all you need. I'm Annie, mad shaman Abadician. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, stand your ground, and above all, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini with Ani Alpatisian, The Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you.